Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. Um, By the title of this episode, you might imagine that something has changed in my life and you would be correct, which is that I have just had a baby or more accurately, my wife has just had a baby. Uh, Lila Bell was born on September 3rd at 4.48 a.m. Perfect timing since we got home, you know, mid-morning and we had the whole long Labor Day weekend, which was just fantastic out here. It's weird in the Central Coast, you can have all this foggy, kind of cold summer and then September comes around and it gets really pretty much perfect, September and October being the, the nicest months out here. So as I'm recording this, it's been, she's been around for just a week. It's been quite a whirlwind. I'm not going to talk about, you know, too much detail about how having a kid changes everything, all that, because it's just one of those things like trying to explain an LSD trip or what having sex is to somebody. It's like, until you do it, you just don't know. I read a lot of books, took classes, but, you know, nothing quite prepares you for having a little uh, new human in your arms. Um, And it's been, uh, you know, it's been really cool. I've been really enjoying it. She's a champ. And my wife did great. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's blessings. You know, it's really good. So, you know, but (laughs) bringing uh, a kid into this world at this time, you know, I think about, you know, as the lead up to this, you know, Lila being born, it's a raging pandemic that now, you know, in the United States is picking up to almost the peak levels again, because we have these 30, 40 percent of the country zombies that are not getting vaccinated. We've had huge climate change issues, fires everywhere across California, across other parts of the West. Then we had huge Hurricane Ida that devastated the kind of Louisiana area that went all the way up and flooded the East Coast. Of course, we have the ongoing um, creep of right-wing fascism, you know, every day a new insanity on that front. We have the withdrawal from Afghanistan and, you know, the Taliban now being, you know, back even stronger than ever. So it was kind of a wild time to bring a baby into the world, right? Um, So I want to kind of just speak about that and talk about, you know, my thoughts on that and the ethics of having children. So, you know, this, this episode is a little different, a little bit more personal, but hopefully you'll find some of it interesting. And at first, I want to start by saying, you know, throughout history, there have always been crazy times, right? Everyone thinks they're in the craziest time. But you know, pretty clearly, if you were born during World War One or World War Two or the Civil War or the you know Spanish flu of 1918 or you know in India in the famines of the 1930s, you know, the, you know, there's been crazy times all the time, right? Vietnam and under the Vietnam War, or even from the American angle, right? So there's never quote a good time to have kids in the sense of kind of perfect peace and tranquility, right? That's that's not in the cards for humanity. I think the one area where it really is different, where we can say in 2021, bringing a kid into this world is different in a, in a negative way, is that 
is the environmental front, is the climate change. Because, you know, in the world during World War II or World War One, we weren't changing the climate yet, or at least the impacts weren't being measured and felt yet. And never before in human history have we stared down a future that looks so threatening on a really baseline level of the environment, right? If we don't get climate change under control, we're on the, that, that inflection point of the exponential curve. Things are going to get really bad, like really bad. And not in 50 years, but in 5, 10, 20. And some of this is already baked into the system because of the, the gases in the atmosphere. So in some sense, the rest of the 21st century is going to be pretty dicey. Maybe the end of the century you know, we can start to see some uptick if we if we do the right thing now. So that's obviously why I'm paying a very close attention to what the Democrats do on climate change. It really is, I think, an existential moment. And also why I'm rehearsing, you know, not very explicitly, but kind of in the back of my mind, I've been rehearsing an apology to my daughter if she ever asked me why I brought her into this fucked up crazy world knowing what I knew. Because I think it, it is possible that, you know, 20, 30, 15, who knows, you know, sometime in the not too distant future, the kids who are born now might look at their parents and go, you knew what was happening. How the hell did you decide it was okay to bring me into this? Um, and the reason, you know, I, I say this is because it's having children is, is kind of paradoxical in some very key ways, right? In some sense, and I don't think most people think about it this way. It's at the beginning, when you're considering whether to bring children into the world, it's an extremely selfish decision. Not selfless, selfish. Because you're choosing to bring someone into this world without their consent. Now, of course, that's part of the paradox, right? You can never get someone's consent to bring them into the world. But by doing that, by saying, I'm bringing you into this world whether you like it or not, it's a deeply selfish act because now Lila is in this world and despite all the things that I can give her and provide for her and being in a pretty, you know, nice circumstance here in Central California, she's, you know, you can't you can't shield your kids from all the, the danger and the badness in the world. And if it gets really bad, I could see her being kind of pissed, you know, um, I'm hoping not. But I, I think that is a risk of having children at this point um, in time. Now, of course, once the kids are born, having children mostly turns to a selfless act, right? You're giving to them and sacrificing for them. Maybe sacrificing is the wrong way because you're doing it out of love and you, you chose to do it. But still, you're, you're giving up a lot of you know, your time and energy and resources and investing them in your child. And so I think, it, it, again, the paradox that it goes from a selfish act to a selfless act very quickly. A couple other quick points here on the positive. Um, you know, having a child does bring out, I think, the best in a lot of people. And it's a nice kind of community bonding bonding experience. You know, having this child has, you know, caused me to reconnect with a lot of people I hadn't spoken to in a while. And when you send out baby pics and announce this, you know, you get a lot of love in return. And that's been really positive and really encouraging. And also, you know, I can't lie, you know, but that now that I'm a parent, I feel more directly vested in kind of basic social bonds of safety and a clean environment and a kind of a positive, you know, just general tenor of society. Now, of course, I've always been invested in those things. I think being a progressive almost by definition is that you 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 are invested in these things, whether you have kids or not. 
But now that I have, you know, a child, I do feel it a little bit more viscerally, right? Like this kind of direct vested interest in having a, a more positive, healthy society. Now, of course, having a child also really brings into focus and highlights the insane inequalities in our society that start from even before children are born. And the, 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 the classic example, which I'm definitely kind of an embodiment of, is the quality of care that we received for, you know, during the pregnancy and the birth was outstanding, right? We decided to go with a birth center. So it's kind of like a compromise between a hospital and a home birth. We didn't feel quite comfortable doing the home birth, but we didn't want to go to a hospital because of just all the interventions and the increased chance of C-section. You also in a hospital, you typically stay there a couple days. The birth center, by the time we were there and bringing the baby home was about nine or 10 hours, right? Incredibly quick. We, you know, we got there, a lot of latent labor, had the baby about five hours later. And then, you know, after about five hours of cleaning the baby up, celebrating, kind of getting relaxed, you know, getting some paperwork, going over some basics, we took the baby home. And it's just so much, it was so much nicer to be at home. And the midwives were an outstanding. We also hired a doula who was, you know, it's basically like a support person for the, the pregnant person who's there to help them get through it. And it's really great for me because I've never been around a birth. And, you know, if, if I had just been me with my wife and she's screaming and in pain, obviously I would have been helpful, but I wouldn't have been nearly as helpful as the doula. And so we had this outstanding team and that's where the inequality starts, right? A lot of people in America can't, you know, can't afford the level of care that we got. You know, most of it was covered by insurance, but not all of it. And it's just, it just highlights and, and underlines how criminal it is that in the richest society on earth, we'd rather spend trillions on pointless wars and a bloated military than actually caring for our people. You know, and um, it's just, it's just such a shameful disgrace. And it really, you know, I don't really know what more to say about it. Um, the last thing I want to say here before the break is, is that a lot of people have asked me, you know, does having a child give me hope, you know, kind of give me hope for the future. And I've been ambivalent about that word hope for a while. And I've read a few articles and I finally realized why hope is really similar to faith. And it has a lot of religious overtones. It really comes from Christianity and I'm not really down with that. I'm not really into kind of loosey-goosey faith. It's kind of like it's wide-eyed and all oh, the future is going to be bright. That's bullshit, right? I don't have hope. But what I do have more than ever is resolve. I know that this crazy zombie apocalypse that we're in is a disgrace. And it's unacceptable. We as humans can and must do better. I am more than ever committed to setting humanity on a better course, helping set humanity on a better course. Of course, I don't have all the answers, but I know the baseline of this fucked up, crazy, unethical world is simply unsustainable and immoral. So that's kind of where I'm at coming into this first week of Lila's life, you know, a really deeper than ever commitment to do my part to just get humanity on a better course for everybody and also for the non-humans, right? I don't think humans are the only beings of moral worth. In fact, I think the moral worth of you know our fellow sentient creatures are equivalent or close to equivalent of, of human beings. And so I, I, I really want to 
you know, support life in the broadest context, not just humanity, although since we're at the controls, we got to start with us. So after the break, I'm going to take on some of the pros and cons of natalism and some of the arguments around having kids that uh, are kind of being batted around in books and the internet and, and even in my, you know, graduate student discussions and uh, throw some thoughts out on that. Okay, so, you know, natalism is an interesting kind of concept, and the reason I think it's even worth discussing is, you know, again, I work in the environmental field, and there's a lot of people in the environmental field making arguments for and against natalism, you know, how many kids should you have, should you have kids at all, and again, some of it I think is legitimate based on the, you know, what I mentioned in, in the intro there about just the environmental calamities ahead, and wow, you know, should we really bring kids into this? And also kids, you know, in some sense, their resource use contributes to it. So before getting into the substance of these arguments, I just want to mention the politics here. And I think that the politics of antinatalism are very, very bad, okay? Most people like kids and want kids. And staking out a political identity against them is not popular and is not going to be popular. And to the extent that the left and progressives and the environmental communities are identified as anti-natalist is just going to make it much harder to get people on board. So that's not a substantive argument per se, but a political argument, although, of course, these things all are intertwined. Also, let me just say up front 100% that if someone doesn't want to have kids, that's great. Or, you know, great, fine, whatever. My point is here, I don't think people without kids are any less moral or necessarily vested in a good society at all, right? I, I'm relatively old for having a kid, and I might not have had kids. And, and there's plenty of people I know who are great people and really dedicated to progressive causes who don't have kids. You know, there's some stuff going around the right wing that, you know, the, the left is this childless left, which is, first of all, bullshit. You know, most conservatives are older, and the younger people are having kids are mostly liberal um, and Democrats. But putting that aside, it's just such an unethical, divisive way to go about the life, right? People, you know, people with or without kids being of more moral worth. So I just reject that wholeheartedly. People who don't want to have kids, fine. You know, that's totally fine. I don't, I don't look down on that at all. Um, so... Coming back to, you know, natalism and the politics for a second, I think Democrats and progressives are best and at their best when they are pushing family-friendly policies and supporting working parents. And of course, the prime example of this, which hasn't gotten the credit it deserves yet, 
because of all the other crazy stuff going on in the world, is this child tax credit, the expanded child tax credit that Biden and the Democrats passed in the, in the rescue plan a few months ago. I mean, right now in America, if you have a kid under six, you're getting $300 a month. If you have a kid under from six to 18, you're getting $250 a month. So let's take a family of four, you know, two parents, whether they're, you know, two moms, two dads, mom and dad, whatever, and two kids under six. That family is getting $600 cash put in their bank account every month right now from the U.S. government. And if, if that's, say, a, a family making 30, 40, 50 grand, you know, a low middle income, that's a lot of cash. That's a game changer for a lot of people. 60 million Americans are getting these checks right now. And they, the estimates are that it, it has reduced child poverty by 40%. Boom, stroke of a pen, a few months, we just eliminated 40% of child poverty. And that goes to show again, this loud and clear black and white, that poverty is a policy choice. It is not a natural consequence of market forces. It is a policy choice. And Democrats decided we're going to cut it down drastically, and they just did. Great policy. I think it's going to pay huge dividends for Democrats uh, in the midterms in 2024 because the Republicans want to go against it. Um, I think also stuff like paid family leave, paid maternity leave, um, those type of things. This is when Democrats are best, right? It doesn't have to. We don't have to be out there preaching and telling everyone to have lots of children, but saying if you want to have kids, we're here to support you. I mean, it's good policy and good politics. Now, getting to the main argument against having kids, which again, I think is bad politics, but let's at least just look at the substance of the argument. It basically comes down to the resource demands of additional humans and kind of a general view of overpopulation, right? There's already too many humans on the planet and every kid, especially a kid in a wealthy society like America, there's all the, you know, the diapers and the food and the gear and the waste and the energy, and the greenhouse gas emissions. So that a lot of that is true, right? But if we took this argument to its logical conclusion, we would really be arguing for just getting rid of a lot of people. Because you could say that about existing people, right? And the, the, the problem with this logic is, is that it kind of bleeds into kind of a general culling of the human population, right? Because many people who get concerned about overpopulation seem pretty cavalier when mass death events help happen. So a tsunami happens, a genocide happens, a pandemic happens, and there's always this kind of like, hey, we're overpopulated, you know, it sucks, but, you know, too many people on the planet. Again, not a good look politically or morally. If you're okay with mass death, I have a problem with you. I mean, again, I do think we have really big environmental issues to tackle, but just getting rid of large numbers of humans, don't think that's the right way to go about it, right? How we live is much more important than how many of us there are, right? That's why issues of like, what's the carrying capacity of the earth? I think have always been a fool's errand. Should it be 5 billion, 2 billion, 1 billion, 10 billion? Well, it really depends. If everybody is vegan, living a sustainable life, driving an electric car and has solar panels, that's a lot different than if everyone has, you know, a Ford F-150 SUV and is eating steak and bacon all day, right? And blasting their air conditioner, right? So it's the how that matters, right? Also, if you care about population growth, really what you should care deeply about is women's empowerment and education. 
And included in women's empowerment is their ability to have as many or as few children as they want, right? That's what women's empowerment means, is that they get to choose their destiny, right? And yes, children do take up resources, as do all humans. But a child raised in a compassionate and sustainable manner can be a great resource for the future of humanity. They can be a resource for this new path forward to a better future, right? I want to just put this in, in some, you know, in some tangible context here. I have a bunch of friends who have teenage children, and they are simply fucking amazing to the last. They are incredible. They are way, way ahead of where me and my cohort were just socially and ethically at their ages, right? They are much more environmentally aware, more tolerant, more diverse, more inclusive, and much more attuned to social justice issues. I mean, I am just super impressed, right? And I'll I'll go as far as saying this. If I could randomly swap out a 60-plus-year-old leader from any political party anywhere in the world and substitute them with a teenager, I would do it in a heartbeat. Right, the results would be dramatic. If you know, if the 18-year-olds randomly selected from America could take over the U.S. Congress, we would have a much better Congress. I just say that with 100% certainty. Right. So, if you really care about the fate of humanity and you're a progressive, we need to have some progressive children out there to take over the reins of power here. Right. Of course, our children are never going to be mirror images of us. And they don't necessarily follow in our politics and values. But they're highly correlated. It's rare for a real progressive liberal person to have a hardcore right-winger MAGA kid. It's not impossible, but it's rare. And when we have the Sarah Palins and the Trumps of the world and other right-wing lunatics having lots of kids, sane, reasonable people do need to contribute to the gene pool. You know, it might not be you, but somebody on the same team has to contribute to the future gene pool, or it's going to be a pretty bad scenario. So again, I think there are only, um, you know, two legitimate reasons to not have kids. Because you don't want to, right? I don't want to have kids. Fully legitimate, end of story. Or because I do think, if you think the environmental conditions are about to get so bad that life on Earth is going to be too challenging, and you just don't want to subject anyone to that, I respect that. I disagree with that. I still think we have a chance to right the shit, but I get it, and I think that's legitimate. But don't, you know, don't make that part of your political identity, because again, that's going to turn off a lot of people. Keep it a personal choice. I wouldn't necessarily you know, try to spread that around wide and far here. Um, so... Um, We are clearly near a tipping point ecologically. I want to say that. We are near it. And so it is getting scary. And if we don't do some things pretty quick, I think people in 10 or 20 years might be pretty well justified in saying, you know what? I don't think any kids more should come into this. This is going to be too dicey. But again, I don't think we're there quite yet. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by And feed them on your dreams The one they picked, the one you know by Don't you ever ask them why If they told you you would cry 
So just look at them and sigh And know they love you Okay, so for the antidote today, while I am not one to give relationship advice, I think what I'm about to say will resonate with some of you, and it's based on some pretty solid common sense. So while there are many traits that couples can have that will improve their chances of raising healthy and productive children, I think the most important is having shared values, right? Because kids often do not bring people closer together. I think a lot of people think they're having problems in their relationship. Let's have a kid and that'll bring us closer together. We'll have a shared project. And it actually drives them apart. Because if you have very different values and views of right and wrong and how to raise children, you're going to fight over that. So I think having a shared sense of values is really the foundation for really to be on the same page for the direction of the kind of the ethical and moral education of your children. Um, you know, so for example, my wife and I are both vegan and we want to raise our daughter to be a warrior for animals and a champion for justice. Those are pretty strong values, right? If I was with someone who didn't stray those values, I would, I would come into a lot of conflict because I feel very strongly about that, right? And, um, and I know people who have relationships and have kids where they don't have values and they fight over a lot of stuff. And look, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not a relationship guru here at all, but I just think the key thing here is, is like if you're going to have kids with someone, the values is probably the core, it's not just like, hey, we both like going out to concerts. Hey, we both like living in New York City. Like, yeah, that's cool. That's good. But for having kids, that's probably not the most important thing. It's your really your core fundamental values. So that, you know, with that, everybody, you know, Lila asks that you work ever harder to build a just and equitable world so she and her fellow youngins can enjoy a long and healthy life. So if you're enjoying the podcast, everybody, please rate it, share it with family, friends, and colleagues. You can subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And uh, with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Stay safe. Take care.